Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. Ten, five, victory! This is Love of the Star. Star. Welcome Star. to the Love of the Star, Star. podcast. I'm Bobby Bell, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.5 Fan of Dallas, your radio flagship home of the Dallas Cowboys. Joined, as always, by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broaddus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation, which can be heard 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday on 105.3 The Fan of Dallas. He is also the pre- and post-game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys radio network. And uh, Brian, you had quite the late night on Saturday into Sunday morning as we record this on Sunday evening uh, after the Cowboys drop the game to the Seattle Seahawks 22 to 14, their second consecutive uh, preseason loss. Um, but it's it's good to get football back out there, even if it's uh, really not any of these starters at all. No, Bobby, it it, uh, it is good to see football around the league. It's, uh, you know, it's good to kind of see that uh, – the California portion of training camp is now over, uh, and things shift. The focus now shifts to our backyard and uh, the star in Frisco. Uh, bad news, I'm sure you're going to get to from a roster aspect, but I wanted to say thank you for doing such a great job on our Cowboys pregame show uh, on Saturday night. Appreciate your insight. I know everybody's excited to uh to hear your thoughts uh, when it comes to this football team. So, uh, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a long night. Went well into the morning, and uh, we're here to talk about it today. So, we, looking forward to it. Yeah, we are. I'm glad you reminded me that the California portion of training camp is over because that reminds me specifically of one question uh, or one big storyline that I know occurred since we last talked, and I'm curious for your thoughts on it. Uh, and that was the the big training camp fight. They they got one in uh, there on Thursday. It was a one on one between Brock Hoffman and Sam Williams. Sam Williams, uh, you know, a little. Are you bit trying of to start a fight with me? Or is that I'm what you're not, doing right I'm now? I'm not. I'm not. I think. I think we. View I think you a detect, little differently. I think, I think you detect things. something that happened on my show, the G Bag Nation, where every one of those guys lined up: Wolchuk, Chiafalo. Dawson all lined up against me when it came to training camp fights. I don't. I don't. No, that's not where. I, that's not even where right, I'm going. I see what you're doing it. here. You're like I trying think, to I draw me have, off sides. I, I, think, I get it. I get I it. I think. I think we have a disagreement in terms of one critical aspect of it, which was, of course, we got the fight between Biotish knocking over Sam Williams, and then yeah. it turned into a whole melee. And then a few plays later, it was Biotish and Micah Parsons, and Sam Williams coming in and getting his shot in after that. I'm curious for your overall perspective on the the brawl, but more specifically, I think you you felt like Tyler Biotish was more in the wrong for that that scrap uh, yeah. than Sam Williams. That's where I think we have a little bit of disagreement. I felt like Sam Williams was more to blame here, 
And I felt like Sam Williams, for all of his off-the-field concerns and questions and things like that, he is the last guy who needs to be out here escalating brawls. And when it's all dispersing, running over and saying, let's take the pads off and pushing defensive linemen, fighting with Isaac Alarcone and things like that and saying, no, get out of my way. Let's take the pads off. Let's see. That that was the last guy I felt needed to escalate it anymore. So I, I was a little more on the Tyler Biotis side. But I, I'm curious, your general thoughts on the melee and uh, what it indicates. Okay, I'll play your game, Bobby, today. <laughs> um, I'm not a big fan of training camp fights. And I'm not a big fan of training camp fights, especially when it involves teammates. And uh, just my personal experience of training camp fights – especially when it's teammates, is that they could say things don't carry over and, you know, and you just never know. Uh, you know, there's the fact I, I felt like that, yes, that Sam and, and Hoffman, Hoffman trying to walk away, Sam, you know, kind of continue on, and then Biotis, you know, taking a run at him. And the, the reason I, I take offense to this is I felt like Hoffman's trying to go away Sam maybe was going to get in another shot, big deal, just separate, move on. But the the fact that, that he got dumped and the way he got dumped and the violence with which he got dumped, that is my worry. That is my worry where all of a sudden it's shot to the shoulder, back, head, everything hits the ground. I mean, he got blindsided. And so now you're in a situation where – you know, you take a run at a guy like that, you hit him that hard, you knock him down. The, the way he hits is awkward. Is there some other injury now to Sam Williams? Are we in a concussion syndrome thing or a protocol? Uh, you know, shoulder injury, rib injuries, back injuries. You know, you just don't know, you know, what potentially could happen. You know, luckily nothing did escalate that way. But then the feelings afterwards. Now it's like, okay, we got to get – our pound of flesh from Biotish. And here goes Micah Parsons going at it. And here's your best player swinging wildly at players all around him, you know, trying to even the score. And I've been with teams before where things have carried into the locker room. And all of a sudden now you have guys divided, defensive players divided with offensive players, and it it just it's a very tense kind of situation. Again, everybody afterwards, oh no, we're fine, we're all good. But when it's teammate on teammate crime like that, I, I've got no I got no use for that. I really don't because, like I said, potential injury for the actual fight, potential hurt feelings going into the locker room, division among the players, feeling like, well, you know, I, I got wronged here. And what's keeping Sam Williams from going and taking a shot at Biotish in a meeting or something like that? You yeah. know, I mean, and it didn't happen. But those are the things that I've seen where it carries over. You know, you're in the lunch line and now there's words exchanged, you know, uh, about the situation, you know. And, it, and it, it meant enough to Michael Parsons that he felt like he had to go even the score. And that's your best player going to even the score. You know, Wayne Gretzky never finished a fight, you know? I mean, when there was, yeah. when there was, it was, you know, there was, but that's, that's the, that's the biggest problem that I had with it. I, I, 
I felt like the the injury potential and the hurt feelings and the evening evening the score if in fact it doesn't ever get settled on the field and then those those feelings carry over to another practice another situation that that's my biggest concern I don't disagree with you Brian so we're 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 simpatico that was really long-winded but I just felt like that you know Zach and Eric I, I hey I'm not against fighting and Zach was talking about it in a way that it was well it's good it's good for the toughness of the team it's good for no it's not now, I think chip, I think chippiness, I think competitive practices are. I don't think brawls are. Man, football players are tough people showing up playing the game. You don't have to prove your toughness to play football. I mean, you're already tough. You're already tough going up there and lining up and playing. You know, I just felt like that fighting was just I just thought it was a huge waste of time and you know, if you're if you're not a tough team, there are other ways to manufacture that toughness other than beating up on one of your own teammates. Yeah, you know, that's what I've always totally, believed. I'm totally with you on it. We if, actually agree. I, if, uh, I, I don't want to see anybody get hurt in the name of, uh, you know, fake toughness. Like I said, you can, you can have chippiness and competitiveness, and I think mm-hmm. smack talk and a, maybe even a little pushing and shoving at the end of play, that's normal. Outright brawls I don't think do anybody any good. No, and, you know, I, I'm okay with the smack talk stuff that, you know, we've seen it with Diggs and Dak and – Everybody's kind of labeled that as, oh, look, you know, teammates don't respect Dak. No, it's just yeah. competitiveness, and that's cool. That part of it's cool, but the physical part where your best player is swinging wildly in a crowd. Could break his and, hand. You know, yeah, and then you, you know, we think about it, and I, I'm sorry I'm getting to the age where I forget things at times, but, you know, we recently had in one of these fights, these camp fights, a coach have to go to the hospital. You know, mm-hmm. coach, coach gets hit in a wild fight, and now he's in the hospital, and I'm sure that that team that lost its coach is probably sitting there going, well, was it totally worth it? You know, our coach is laid up in a hospital right now. You know, so I, there's, there's, there's other ways to prove toughness besides having to take a run, a swing, anything at your, at your own teammate. Well, let's take a, a look at uh, this game against the Seahawks, and uh, you know what? Let's let's lead off with some toughness, why don't we? And uh, toughness, I think you can say, is something that Jalen Tolbert continued to show in this football game. Jalen Tolbert, for me, I don't know about you, Brian. We'll talk about a couple different things. Tolbert continued, you know, in this game and the last game. Really, I feel like he was the highlight for me in this game against the Seahawks in terms of I think you you continued to see okay, working back to the football, tracking the football. Um, toughness, even on the kind of double clutch catch that he had, um, even the one that got taken away off the replay, I think you show that to me was bigger on Cooper Rush than it was anything on Jalen Tolbert. So this was an instance again where I think a lot of the receivers shined. Um, you know, Tolbert headlining that, but Turpin had a, a couple of good things. It was nice to see Jalen Brooks making that fourth down catch, working back to the ball. That what we saw in fourth down is similar to what we saw in these training camp practices. Um, you know, you had uh, Dontario Drummond making plays. Um, not a great night for Simi Fajoko. Um, they, they tried to connect on that, that smoke work again, him and Will Greer. It, it bit him a couple times. So uh, overall, your, your biggest positive out of this game, and I guess just thoughts specifically on, has Tolbert answered the questions you had for him heading into camp? Yeah, Jalen Tolbert is your fourth receiver right now. No question about that. And, you know, and he will fight 
uh, once the season starts. I don't know how much competition you'll be able to have and to prove that you could be the third. But he is – and this really starts – this goes all the way back to the things that he had to carry in the 2022 season. He had to carry the, the shame – of not performing to the level that we all believed he could. And, you know, that's, you know, the, he heard the word bust. He heard the words uh, can't play. He heard the words need to get rid of, uh, need to move on. He carried all that through an off season, And he made it a point to remake himself. And, you know, whether it was reps in the DAC yard reps on the field at, uh, you know, there at the star, reps in, uh, maybe at a training facility that we don't know about. Maybe he was in another town running routes and working out and trying to make himself better. He is a confident football player. He's a better conditioned player. He's a more mentally tough player for him. And it really, you could tell last week when he gets the push-off penalty right before the yeah. half. And what does he do? He comes back and catches the touchdown to finish the drive. Right then, that's when you saw that things for Jalen was going to be different. You know, you saw it was going to be much different for him. And he was able to, you know, put together some really good routes yesterday. Um, He, you know, he had the one drop, which I'm sure he wants back. I think there's going to be times where he, where Jalen Tolbert is going to make absolute brilliant plays, and maybe there's going to be that one that you're like, oh no, he couldn't, he shouldn't have dropped that one. I just kind of feel that's how he is, but he's established himself uh, carrying all that with him as the fourth for sure, and a possible third depending on what happens with Michael Gallup during the season. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Now, I didn't see – we didn't see that on the South Alabama tape, that he was somebody who had focus drops or anything like that. But I think that is one thing you're right about, that occasionally there may be the frustrating play. I think that may just be part of his his profile, is that he's – that ball seemed to kind of get on him a little quick last night. Yeah. It's it's one he needs to make. Right. Um, but, you know, I think – People are going to be able to live with that occasionally if we see the guy that we've seen out here in terms of tracking the ball deep, um, you know, making tough catches, not afraid of going over the middle this year. He looked afraid going over the middle of the football field last year, and that doesn't appear to be the case this year. So that's a big plus. Uh, overall, that's that's a big positive takeaway. Uh, anything for you that stands out as, man, this was a troubling thing we saw last night. I know for me, the, the continued struggles of the offensive line in parts. Um, I thought Austin Richards had a, a decent game at times. Um, I actually, I got to tell you, I was really impressed with uh, Alex Taylor Priolo and in, in some of the reps that he showed. He looked like he moved really well for his size. Josh Ball was better last night than he's been, but specifically there were a few different times where I noticed Brock Hoffman or Matt Farniak, two guys who this team likes a lot, struggling in this game. Um, your general thoughts on the offensive line and anything else that stuck out as this wasn't the best. Well, I feel like you've got things on course when you're talking about the offensive line. I will say this. I think that Matt Farniak is a better center than he is a guard. You know, I feel like he's more comfortable playing center and, um, you know, we've seen uh, him have problems with the snap. 
uh, you know, a couple different things. Last night he had an early snap, you know, that was kind of crazy that Will Greer had to dive on. But I think when you watched him play overall, he looks more comfortable playing center than he does guard, which is weird, but he does. Uh, I think it, you mentioned Awesome Richards. Um, I'm not going to say I would be terrified if Awesome Richards had to play in a game. But I think there would be some those moments where you'd say, okay, hold on to your rear, here we go, kind yep. of a thing. You know, and there might be some really good um some really good reps, and there might be that crazy rep like we saw uh, you know, uh where he gave up the sack against Jacksonville. Uh but you know, I mean it's not totally his fault. You know, Will Greer continues to hold the football way too long for some of these guys, you know, and they, and they just can't hold up protection wise. I felt like, though, that, um, you know, you you mentioned what, you know, the things with, with Taylor Prelo. He is so long and so, you know, I mean, he just doesn't have great strength. And you worry about a guy that tall, the way he moves. But, man, he held up pretty well, you know, at the, at the tackle spot. And, and again, I, I, was, I was pleased to see, you know, that, that, how that worked out. Uh, I think I continue to feel like that TJ Bass. I'm going to go on record and call him a gamer, Bobby. I'm going yeah. to. I'm going, I mean, I don't think he's a great practice player. I think he's one of those guys you get him in a game and he kind of understands how he needs to play. He's a physical player, um, and so those are the kinds of things that you want to see, uh, you know, from uh, from your guys. And I, and, I, and I'll tell you another guy. I throw a lot of dirt on Josh Ball. I throw a lot of dirt on Josh Ball. And there were a couple of times last night where they ran the ball, you know, behind him and Matt Willetsko, where they were able to get some movement at the point of attack. Josh Ball came off the ball last night like we had some purpose, like he was ready to play, like he was, like, confident that – and, you know, he's not always going to get movement because I don't think he's the strongest guy. I just don't. And so, um, you know, that was encouraging there. Um, but uh, overall, uh, they've got to figure out, you know, they've got to figure out six, seven, eight, and nine. You know, they've got to figure it out. They're, I think they're getting a little close. I'll, I'll say this, Bobby. Matt will let's go once again with a subluxation. Subluxation, subluxation I, yes. I was trying to say that. I've been, I'm still tired. Different shoulder this year. Different shoulder. Different shoulder. And, and I'm not a doctor. But I think maybe maybe genetics or the way he's built has something to do with this. If you've got a right shoulder, or left shoulder, if you've got this problem, this might be a genetic or the way you're built type of a problem that you know that you are subjected to potential problems. And it, it's not good for an offensive lineman to always deal with his shoulders popping out. You know, yeah. when you reach and you push and you strain and you, you know, and now that it's the other shoulder. This might be just genetics, you know, the, the way that he's put together is going to limit, you know, again, I'm not a doctor, but well, man, and it's, 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 it's really it's, strange how, you know, it might be a physical issue that he has to deal with. Well, and, and it's and, been that outside shoulder each time because last yeah. year it happened to the left shoulder when he was at left tackle and this right. year it's the right shoulder when he's right. playing right tackle. So it's definitely... Right been the outside shoulder two years in a row here yeah um but that that's definitely a concerning injury uh you're listening to the love of the star podcast the love of the stars and odyssey podcast you can find it on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. All right, Brian, uh, we need to remind everybody about our wonderful partner here at Love the Star. It is Boomer Jacks. I got to tell you, uh, me and Brian have loved seeing you guys send us all the pictures of you hanging out at Boomer Jacks, all the stuff you're getting, telling us all about it. Uh, And and the day I got to recommend for you guys, there's two days in particular I think you should go if you're looking for the right day to go to Boomer Jacks. It's Tuesday or Wednesday because Tuesday it's half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings. But they've got deals for you every other day of the week as well. They got drink specials starting at $3, $15 buckets of beer. It's ice cold beer, wall-to-wall TVs. And I know when you hear me say wall-to-wall TVs, you think I'm saying, and there's a lot of TVs. No, I mean, literally wall to wall TVs. There's like yeah. hardly any space on the walls. They got TVs in the bathroom. It's a wonderful experience. There's 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, we just mentioned the Matt Well, let's go. Andrea saw Todd Archer uh, from ESPN had uh, said that it's one they're not terribly concerned with. They did get two pretty big injuries, though, uh, uh, that were much more serious. Two ACL tears. One, John Stevens Jr., the tight end who had really come on in the last couple weeks. But then the big one, the one that just is an absolute kick to the gut for this team, I think, is DeMarvian Overshone, the third-round pick, the linebacker out of Texas, who we talked about it last week. I Overshone, there were things to like about him, but I, I didn't necessarily feel like, oh, Overshone's this diamond in the rough or some guy who's going to step onto the football field and make an immediate impact we had gotten through camp and preseason and it was one of those things where you started to get this sort of nervous energy when, when you'd watch him like like this feeling of like is this real is he as good as he looks right now because he looked like a veteran uh he looked like a five-year veteran out there a tremendous athlete somebody with great instincts throughout these practices throughout these you know, the first preseason game and the handful of snaps he played on the first drive. He had three tackles, I think, in six plays last night I, before he gets hurt. The, against and playing against Seattle's ones. Yeah. That's the thing. You know, that's the thing. And he, you know, it really started for him in the OTAs and the mini camps when all yep. of a sudden they were putting him in those green dot situations where they, you know, put the green dot on your helmet and they make you call the defense, you know, and here's a rookie and, you know, the, you've seen him play a ton because you've watched, you know, Texas football. So, you know, the player, we saw him during the draft show. I know you, Aisha Morrison, uh, you know, Zach Wolchuk, Kyle Jones, we all talked about him. We all had an opinion about him as a player and the potential for him converted safety can run like the wind plays downhill might be a little too aggressive you know the Cowboys clearly had a plan for him and you you nailed it first three plays first six plays of the game he's got three tackles and that's that's what they're going to miss right now they are going to miss a guy that has a nose for the football and I guarantee you they're all sitting in their office right now thinking about how are they going to replace a guy that could have allowed uh 
It could have allowed Leighton Vanderish to do something different in games. Could have allowed, you know, could have could have subbed, uh, could sub for Damone Clark. Could play, you know, could bring him on a blitz. Could play him in a lot of different roles. You know, this guy is a finisher. I mean, he is. That's what he is. Yeah. He's around the ball. He's a finisher. He's not going to let people run by him. He's not going to miss tackles. You know, and, and that's that's just the that's just a like you said that is a gut punch because you could tell the more they practiced, the more they played, he was going to have a big role in what they were going to do defensively. And Dan Quinn and these coaches, you know, they're now left. You know, they, every nobody feels sorry for you as we always say, but now they have to figure out. Now they have to figure out, well, okay, what's the next plan of attack because we lost a, a guy that we had a, a clear vision for as a player. It's funny. Um, you know, I've I've heard the story told before that um, you remember Adrian Peterson had signed with the Saints one year yeah. and was traded a few weeks into the season. I think it was to Arizona. Arizona, um, yeah. But it was funny is that when Sean Payton had talked about it later, he said that they got into summer practices and they got into training camp. And that was the year Alvin Kamara was a rookie. And Sean Payton saw him practice and saw what he was on the field and immediately went, oh, oh, okay, no, this is this is different than even maybe we thought he was. Like, this is this is a different level. This yeah. guy is ready now. We've yeah. got to clear space for him. We got to get we got to get Adrian Peterson out of here. It had that sort of building buzz. It felt like with Demarvian Overshaw that it, even that they were very high on him as a player and everything else. It still felt like, oh no, he's ready now. He's ready to play football now at a at a consistent level. Um, and not to say that he's the Alvin Kamara of linebackers, but it felt like. DeMarvian Overshone had a chance to be a real contributor for the defense, a real impact player for them right away. I mean, am I overselling it? Do you no, think no, the vibe like no. this this feels like a significant injury the way it would a veteran that they no, lost? No, no, this is and this is this is one of those there where this is where Dan Quinn is different than a lot of the defensive coordinators that have come through here in the last 10, 15 years for the Cowboys. These guys figure out roles for their players. They figure out like, okay, I could use this guy as a nickel linebacker, or I could use this guy as a dime linebacker, or wait a minute, I could put this guy at Mike linebacker and have everybody else rush because of the way he finishes, the way he moves, the way he plays, the way he has length. This guy... This guy had, uh, and I don't think we're overselling this, but this guy had that when when it was all said and done, like your week twelve, they start talking about most underrated defensive players in the league, or you know, and name name the guys that are that that should have been taken higher, yeah, at, that are playing at a very high level, and Overshown could very well have been one of those guys that. Man, well, drafted in the third round, you know. God, he should have been picked, you know, in the second. Maybe he was a late one, you know. He he had that kind of path that that he was working on, and 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 it really a lot of it, you know. Initially, it was like, well, he's going to be a really good special teamer. Okay, he went from like thinking really good special teamer to this guy could be a weapon on 
on all downs. Never. Come, I mean, this guy, he might not come off the field. Yeah. You know, the way that he was showing up at practices and how smart he was. And, and I'm talking like him like he's deceased. But in, foot, <laughs> in football terms, you know, he's deceased for this year. You yeah. know, I mean, he's he's no he's not going to be available to you. And 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 that's and that's the shame of it, because Dan Quinn and these guys clearly had a plan for him. Clearly, how when we look at the linebackers that are left in this group, um, mm. you know, the guys behind because at Leighton Vander Esch, there's always the chance that he's going to get hurt. Yeah, um, that's, and yeah. and Micah Parsons is somebody who's going to be asked to rush a lot. And so. DeMarvin Overshone figured to be a big part of, of this defense and, and a big, you know, insurance piece as well, um, given the way your other linebackers function. But when you look at the remaining linebacker depth, Damone Clark, Devin Harper, Jabril Cox, uh, you know, who do you feel most confident in stepping up? Who are they most going to need to step up now with Overshone down? Who, in well, a lot of ways, Overshone yeah. started to feel like your third best bet at linebacker. Yeah, yeah absolutely, he did. Um, I think you have the Leighton Vanderesh replacement in Damone Clark. That's that's that replacement. The problem you're running into now is you might have to scrap the ideas that you had for Overshone because I don't see it in Jabril Cox right now. I I I don't know what's happened with Jabril Cox and I don't know if it's because of the injury that he had. Is he lacking confidence? Is it something he just hasn't quite got over yet or he's missed too much time? Um, he's he's one of those guys that looks like to me he's playing like a half step slow. You know, where at LSU and stuff, you know, he was one of those guys that was to the ball. We talk about his coverability, things like that. But he looks like he's just slow reacting to plays at times. And that's that's an issue. Now, uh, you know, we've seen Harper have some success. You know, I, I would say right now, if you if you if you gave me the trust meter, I think I would have Harper over Jabril Cox on the trust meter right now. This is a position that the Cowboys very well could be looking for depth at the at the cut at the final cut. I I I, you know the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are going to trade for. I think they're going to trade for a big piece. This is just my this is just my thought, guys and gals. This is not (laughs) me talking to Will McClay or anything like that. But I think they're going to trade for a big piece. I think the big piece might be on that offensive line. And then the claiming could be on linebacker depth. The linebacker depth could be the claiming, you know, that like they see a guy that they or two. I, I think the Cowboys, they, they usually, what you have to worry about is teams just fall in love with their players. And the Cowboys are guilty of this sometimes, too. Sure. They, they fall in love with their team, and they don't want to make any moves or anything like that. But I think Will I think Will McClay realizes he's probably going to have to make a big move at offensive line. He's probably going to claim defensive guys. You know, claim and claim, I mean, defensive guys, probably linebackers is what he's looking at right now. 
Yeah, and I, I think that linebackers is a big part of this, especially, you know, we talk about Overshown, and Overshown's the bigger piece of this, but also Malik Jefferson was a guy that's been in the building now for a couple of years and a guy who, um, you know, they, they at least have some affinity for in terms of he's stuck around here, he's been a, around the practice squad, he's been around the active roster. So that's somebody that they've liked, somebody that they've trusted, um, and that's another guy that's banged up right now. Uh, just before we wrap up and we go over to some of these mailbag questions, Brian, anything else for you that stood out in this game? I know you and I yeah. both agree that maybe Will Greer did not. I think we differ from Mike McCarthy on that one. Mike yeah. McCarthy felt like <laughs> Will Greer looked good or maybe it was covering fire. I don't know. But but was there anything else about this game that really stood out to you good or bad? Yeah, I think it was really unfortunate that there was a couple of times where they asked, they they did have a chance to go win this game. You know, they get the fourth down stop. They do a really nice job to get the ball back. And then Will Greer, they're driving the ball. And then Will Greer trying to fit the ball into Simi Fajoko. You know, he throws, he rolls out, throws the ball across his body, throws it back in the middle of the field, intercepted. You know, and Seattle scores on that. Thought it was unfortunate with the, uh, you know, with, uh, with the block punt. You know, because I, I did notice that when, when Malik Davis was on the field on third down or was going to be third down situation, they took Malik Davis off the field and put Rico Dowdle in there on third down as a blocker. Yep. So keep an eye on that. Now all of a sudden, okay, you got Rico D- – well, Malik Davis had a what, – what I believe, again, uh, you know, just watching the All-22 from last week – there seemed to be a blitz pickup problem that he saw late. And, you know, maybe it's on the line. I'm just saying he tried to clean up a mess, but he couldn't, you know, that was Malik Davis. So now all of a sudden, now they're taking him out. They're putting other guys in for him. But Rico Dowdle, who's trying to, you know, win him a spot as well. Um, and Bobby, knowing, knowing these guys, they might go a way of keeping all four of these running backs. They I think that's not. totally possible. That, that's the, I mean, to me, that they, they might not. I they'll they'll figure it out. I don't know what the situation is going to be with Hunter Lipke. Uh, I've been accused of being this Hunter Lipke fan, and you know, I don't know where that all came. And I tweeted, I'm like, you know, the state of North Dakota is, hates me from what I said about <laughs> Hunter Lipke. You know, so don't. I mean, I'm, but I, I just don't know where he fits right now myself. But yeah, but the Rico Dowdle miss on the wing on the punt team because whoever whoever the third back is that plays in the game is going to need to make up for the snaps that you're not going to get from Deuce Vaughn right they tried they tried Deuce Vaughn as the personal protector he stepped up he got hit and then he got knocked down and you know so it's something he's just not totally comfortable playing. You know, he's not. I mean, he was a star at Kansas State. He didn't have to play special teams. This is completely new to him, what he's having to do. But the 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 Will Greer, it, it's just unfortunate that that mistake at the end. I mean, even even the pass he throws to Johnson, he puts that on target. Johnson's probably still running. I mean, yeah. that, that thing was going to be. I mean, that thing was going to. I mean, I had a chance to score on that slant on third down and then inexcusably on fourth down. What are you doing? What are you doing? You know, just, it's just, you're trying to evaluate your team and you got a veteran guy. And I know he doesn't play. He hadn't played a lot of NFL games, but he's a veteran quarterback that's been around. He can't take sacks. You can't hold the ball. 
you know, and I, I get it. Mike's got to be positive about his guys. I get it. But I don't know how you evaluate, especially, especially when I sit there and, and this is me, this is me having revisionist history, maybe in the draft, my guy from, my guy from Purdue that, you know, that Aiden they, O'Connell. Aiden O'Connell. Aiden O'Connell is like lighting them up right now. Okay. This is the Brian Broaddus draft show, I told you so thing. But Aiden O'Connell looks like a real damn player, you know? Yeah. And, and, the, and I think Mike McCarthy, to his credit, liked Aiden O'Connell. And see, to me, that's where I want to go. That's where I wanted to go. Like, okay, maybe you, maybe you draft Aiden O'Connell and all of a sudden he's the third, but, but he then gets developed. He's even better than what you have with Cooper Rush. And now you have a, a really solid backup type player, you know. But I, like I say, I, I I was, I think Will Greer. I think he's a better player than that. But man, he he did me no favors last night trying to evaluate my football team. You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Stars and Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Brian. Uh, we need to remind everybody about our wonderful partner here at Love of the Star. It is Boomer Jacks. I got to tell you, uh, me and Brian have loved seeing you guys send us all the pictures of you hanging out yeah. at Boomer Jacks, all the stuff you're getting, telling us all about it. Uh, and, and the day I got to recommend for you guys, there's two days in particular I think you should go if you're looking for the right day to go to Boomer Jacks. It's Tuesday or Wednesday because Tuesday it's half price bone and wings. Wednesdays are half price boneless wings, but they've got deals for you every other day of the week as well. They got drink specials starting at $3, $15 buckets of beer. It's ice cold beer, wall to wall TVs. And I know when you hear me say wall to wall TVs, you think I'm saying, there's a lot of TVs. No, I mean, literally wall-to-wall TVs. There's like yeah. hardly any space on the walls. They got TVs in the bathroom. It's a wonderful experience. There's 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, it is now time for our Dean Julia Love of the Star mailbag. And one area that we ignored uh, of the game that, that got a lot of discussion, uh, mainly for how little discussion maybe there was about him. Uh, and that's the Mozzie Smith question. This one's specifically yeah. from 777 Devin Boyle. Can we talk about Mozzie Smith the whole time? Well, not the whole time, but we'll we'll get to Mozzie Smith. I felt like these first two games, similar to the practices, some good, some bad, just kind of inconsistent. Yeah, you got any more thoughts than that, or are you just going to nah, throw it at me? To- no, I mean, look, look, I think yeah, I think you and I see it uh, remarkably similar that yeah. – He's basically, when he's able to stay square, he wins. Too often, he's getting turned around, um, and he's, you know, giving up gap integrity. He's giving up space. Uh, too often, he his pad level gets too high, gets him blocked up, ends up on the ground. And that's been the case throughout these practices. That was the case in the first Jacksonville game. And that was the case here again against Seattle, where there were times where he was eating up space, and he was, you know, keeping linebackers clean. And then there were other times uh, where he was getting turned around. Isaiah Stanback, I think, pointed out one of them, um, uh, where they got gashed for a pretty big run because yeah. Mozzie Smith got turned. And yeah. and so that's the kind of thing that you need to see. You need to see more consistent pad level and a more consistent anchor. Yeah, the, the, the biggest issues with Mozzie Smith is that Michigan, he plays in the system that was was more read and then react. And now he's in a system where he plays react and then read. And so what happens to him is when he's bad with his hands, then that causes him problem. When Mozzie's feet stop, that's a problem. 
You know, Mozzie's one of these guys, when you watch him and he's able to engage and keep moving, keep keep himself moving, he's, he, he does fine. You know, but what happens is he, he engages, he stops his feet, and then he gets turned. You know, he's not, he's not forcing the blocker to have to carry him. And I mean, carry him in a way that, you know, get into him and have to, you know, push on him. You know, he's given the blocker an out by engaging and then positioning himself because he's not moving his feet, you know. And that's when Mozzie's bad. And it happens that he's, you know, at Michigan. I mean, Will McClay even talked about this pre-draft. And I think uh, uh, AD, the defensive line coach, talked about it as well, that they were going to have to do something with his stance, they were working yeah. on his stance. And, you know, you got Dan Quinn, who's a defensive line coach. You got AD. You got these guys that could work with him. And so that was, you know, okay, cool. You know, we're going to work on his stance, work on his, the, you know, the base, make sure. But when you watch him play, when his feet stop, he struggles. He struggles. And so they need to get him to get in more and again it this is this is just 3 years of playing football at Michigan where it was engage read and then go mm-hmm. where here it's 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 react and then read and he's and he's struggling with that right now but i think his biggest issue is that he tends to get a little high cuz he gets a little tired they're working on his conditioning for him by playing him in these games for a good length of time, you know they're getting him. You know they're getting him in condition, but they've got to work on those feet because, like I say, when he's moving, he's hard to stop. You know he's just powerful guy, but when he stops those feet, it's a battle, and then he gets turned and he's dead. And I mean dead in a way of dead on the play. But uh, yeah, it's 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 not. Something I, I, you know, I think that people, when you evaluate the position, the one technique, the nose position, sure, there's, you know, there's the Vita Veas of the world, and there's the Halodinatas of the world, those mammoth, huge dudes that are athletes that move, and I think that's what we kind of all envisioned that Mozzie Smith was going to be, but for three years he played in a totally different scheme than he's playing in right now. And I think the learning curve on it has been been a little tough on him. Uh, for and that's why and that's how you get some good. And then when you're when you're tired, or you're long in the series, the some bad. Right. Uh, next question here from uh, Jay Veerman: Hunter Lipke at fullback or Sean <laughs> McEwen at tight end four? Yeah. Here we Which go. Which would you prefer? Yeah, see, this is where, and again, I, me personally, it was John Stevens over McEwen, you know, and I, I, I don't, I, I, I haven't seen it with Hunter Lipke, and I know again the whole state of North Dakota. If you're watching this, <laughs> you know, I'm public enemy number one up there in Be that careful. beautiful part of the Be beautiful part. No, it's a beautiful part <laughs> of the country. Love going up there. Loved it when I was in Wisconsin, and it's just a beautiful state, but. I don't see, I don't see the fascination right now with Hunter Lipke. I don't. I don't think he's doing enough to make me completely. And I and again, I'm not a Sean McEwen fan either. But I, it's going to come down. Da- yeah, it's going to come down to four tight end or him likely. And I, 
me personally a fourth tight end. And we got in this discussion last night with Brad Sham, you know, on the postgame show. There's some people, and I was talking with Todd Archer today too, um, you know, there's people that kind of feel like that maybe, um, you know, maybe you're tied in there. Maybe uh, John Stevens was just really a practice squad guy, that we're making a lot more of that. But if it came down to one or the other, I would keep the sixth wide receiver for sure is what I would do. Yeah, Jalen Brooks. <laughs> you know, I, I, would, I, I, I would. I mean, if, if, you're, if you're thinking about five wide receivers, four tight ends, and you know, or – the three tight ends and the fullback guy. I give me the give me the extra wide receiver. Give me the extra wide receiver because I just haven't seen it with Hunter Lipke. I, I'm I'm sorry, North Carolina. Excuse me, North Dakota State guys. I'm I'm really sorry about that, but it's just my eyes, you know. And again, I'm doing radio and not scouting. So here you go. Kyle Stahl asks, "How close are we to these two realities, Brian? One." Jalen Tolbert is worthy of bubble wrap for preseason game three to Jalen Tolbert taking away some snaps from Michael Gallup. That's where that's, I, I think you're closer. I think you're closer to him being maybe a three. If Michael Gallup doesn't play to the level that we've seen Michael Gallup play before and Michael Gallup, when we interviewed him at training camp on one Oh five, three, the fan, the G bag nation, two to seven Monday through Friday. Uh, when we interviewed him, he even brought the notion that man, I got to step up my game. That number at 18, that one, eight, that one, eight's that one, eight's playing one, eight's playing some football now. And he even brought that up. I think we're closer to him getting more opportunities that way than we are of him being a bubble wrap guy. I think he needs to still keep playing myself, you know, let, let him go out and have another good five catch 48 yard game, you know, against the Raiders this week and, you know, figure it out from there. Make him as confident as you can going into this giant game. But I think I think we're closer to that than we are a bubble wrap game. Next question here from my right. What do you think? What no, you no, think no. I, I, I think that look, there's an argument to be made that you can, if he's you can answer these questions too. You could have other states hate I know, you. I don't. I, know. I don't want to be he's, the only guy having people hate me. He's confident. He's uh, look, look. He's somebody who you're building his confidence. You've established that that baseline now for his confidence and his level of play that you can feel good about. So, part of me does wonder. Okay, maybe it's best to just figure out this giant crop of receivers behind you, especially if you're not going to give Dak or anybody else the reps anyway, it might be to a point where you go ahead and just say, all right, let's, let's rest them until we're done. But I also think that, yeah, if, if there's, if Michael Gallup shows the same sort of confidence issues that he had last year and that he hasn't, looks like you got them, somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Then you've got somebody that you feel comfortable with. Honestly, I mean, Jalen Tolbert was not brought in here. He was not drafted to be wide receiver number four. You don't nope. draft you don't draft him in the third round to be wide receiver number four. So it's somebody that they want to step up, and that if he's able to step up, it's somebody they believe can be part of the top three rotation. And maybe they get to a point where they say, you know what, Michael Gallup, uh, your your money's not worth this, or you know what, Brandon right. Cooks, it was great to have you for a year, but we're we're going to go ahead and move on now. But I, I absolutely think that you can feel comfortable at this point with where Jalen Tolbert is. Uh, last question here from Ezekiel. Who showed upside at the start of camp, but over the past two games still hasn't shown up the same way? 
And, you know, one of these answers might be uh, you, you could say Jalen Brooks, although Brooks, I think, last night flashed a little bit. That fourth down catch was nice. That was some of what we had seen. Mm-hmm. The answer here might be Eric Scott. Uh, Eric Scott yeah. been really good in the practices yeah. and not yeah. as good in the games. Yeah, I think I think go ahead and finish this thing out. Talk about Eric Scott because you got this absolutely right. Yeah, and I think Eric Scott was better last night than he was against Jacksonville, just like Jalen Brooks was better last night than he was against Jacksonville. But it's still too inconsistent, and he's somebody who, you know, you had pegged him as the right place, right time, nose for the ball type of guy, and that's yep. that's where a lot of his highlights have shown up at camp. He's mm-hmm. always right there for a ball deflection or, uh, you know, he, it just happens to the the crooked throw sails into his arms. He's, he's the guy who's yep. had that benefit a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in these games, he's shown a little bit of susceptibility. And and some of these veteran receivers, some of these guys who have played a lot of football have exposed him as maybe a little more raw than you had initially thought. And so I know we talked to David Hellman uh, for our Love the Star newsletter, which we do for 105 Through the Fan. And, and David said, look, I uh, it, part of me wonders if if we've all just bought into a little bit of hype with Eric Scott and is he totally secure even as a roster spot? Now they traded up for him. I still think they'd like to keep him here. I still think Dan Quinn thinks very highly of him. But Eric Scott is one who probably stands out. I think Wanye Thomas has been better in the practices than he has been in the games. Um, but that's another guy that I think they they like and and would like to see show up. But those are the I, ones that probably stand out the most. You, you completely nailed it. So I'm glad you now have the state of Mississippi mad at you for that comment you made. About that's fine. I've built up some uh, credibility with the state of Mississippi for my Dak Prescott takes over. There the you years. go. Hey, can, that's that's I, good. You, you do have you do have a lot of credibility in the bank on I, that one. I can throw can him I, a Southern Miss every now and then. Can I throw <laughs> one a name out there that might not fit into your category you're talking about? But I kind of feel like that. I didn't. I haven't seen it. I saw it last season, and but I haven't seen it this season. Sure, Israel Mukwamu. Yes, yeah. Now, I now, saw, I, I, part of me wonders: Is Mukwamu just dealing with it? Like, is he still dealing with the lingering yeah. effects of the injury? No, no, no question. And I, that's my hope. But I was really, really like what I saw at the end of last year. I had really high hopes for him. I had yeah. really high hopes for him, and. I haven't seen it like I saw it at the end of last year. So if you're talking about a start but at a different point, that's where Israel Mukwamu is for me. I saw like like the why weren't they playing him last year? Why were they claiming guys off the street and plugging them into play? And when you had this guy that was ready to go. Yeah. I, I want to believe that things are different for Israel Mukwamu. I want to believe that. Yeah, I don't. You, I don't know. I don't know if it if it is. I, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. One, yeah, one would hope that's just a a lingering effect from the injury. Uh, that does it for us here today on the Love the Star podcast. Uh, as always, you can follow myself and Brian on Twitter. I'm at Bobby Bell TX. He is at Brian Broadus, and that's Brian with a Y. So make sure you get that right. Uh, the Cowboys have another preseason game, their final one coming up against the Raiders this weekend. We'll have more looking ahead to that as they return to Frisco for practices this week. For Brian Broaddus, I'm Bobby Bell. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you guys next time.